As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. I am joined once again by Gail Ellis, who is from a company called Greenburn. We spoke in April um, and we're now just doing a follow-up. Gail is an expert in all things HR. She'll give you a proper introduction in a second. And it's extremely, what she does is extremely pertinent at the moment. So we're doing a bit of an an update. But welcome to the podcast, Gail. Well, thank you for inviting to talk to me again. We work across the agri-food sector and we deal hands-on with all the practical issues relating to HR, which really is all about people. And so we've been very busy at the moment with all the things that have been happening um, COVID and particularly busy at the moment actually because since the school started back we've seen people now starting to return to their offices and I think they're returning to a very very different scenario so it's been quite interesting for us to sort of look to see what the trends are and what's likely to happen um, to the working place in the future really. Yes and I very much would like to talk about the future um, and going forward but I suppose just to set the scene it might be sensible to to go back slightly um, because when we last spoke people were just starting to think about furlough their employees and in fact some people had never even heard the word furlough before um, because it's not something they'd been involved in. Um, Much has changed since then people have been on furlough and as you say going going back to work but what are some of the challenges that that you've been facing with both staff and employers since April and, and particularly at the moment? Yes, I hadn't heard of the word furlough before. I had to look it up, but um, now it's indelibly printed on my mind, I can tell you. So um, there is a surprising amount of uh, businesses that still have people on furlough. Um, And we have a range of clients across the agri-food sector. Um, So we have as well on our client base some restaurants, some small hotels, some um, farm shops. So in the main... Uh, they've most of them have still got people on furlough Uh, and I think it's very difficult times for them because furlough is due to finish um, the payments for furlough are due to finish at the end of October so we're seeing increasing stress levels with our clients of what do they do how do they you know how do they manage do they end up having to let people go which is a really really hard decision Um, so we're having those discussions um, with clients at the moment and quite honestly nobody has a crystal ball so we don't know what's going to happen it's interesting that France and Germany have extended their furlough into January so I think there's a great wish here that it may happen but I mean who knows to be frank as I said we have seen um, a change 
in were people working from home, lots and lots of people working from home. And um, I think going forward, that's probably going to be, we're going to see more of a blended working option, which is some working from home and some still going into the office. So there's going to be a fundamental change, I think, in the way that the workplace looks. Notwithstanding that, let's be frank, and there are many, many organisations in the agri-food sector that have just continued working throughout. Absolutely been working really hard and nothing's changed for them. So we're talking about here the businesses that typically have people working in offices as opposed to in production and manufacturing. Um, so I think the furlough has been fantastic for most people. Um, it's given, you know, uh, some comfort to some employees. But as we're now, people are still on furlough and now we're not starting to get calls, actually sometimes from the individuals themselves saying, how long am I going to be staying on furlough? So we're seeing that anxiety level starting to rise now. Um, and so that's on one hand. And on the other hand, we're really working hard with businesses and managers to make sure that the people that they've got working from home are being supported in the best way they can be. Yes, and, and now I imagine, I, I might be wrong, but, but I kind of imagine that, that people who traditionally work in an office environment, they've been at home for all these months, they probably mostly fall into one of two camps, do they? The people who are desperate to get back to the office and the people who are thinking, oh, actually, I, I like working from home. This suits my life better. But how do you keep everybody happy in a situation like that? I think, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think what's happening is what we're calling a sort of blended, the blended workplace is most people, I mean, we did, we did a straw poll of about 50 small businesses a few weeks ago, but small businesses between three to 50 employees. And 70% of those said that they were going to be introducing more flexibility in the way people could work. The typically, you know, when we looked at the median line, when we did our assessment of the data, is businesses are looking for staff to be in the office between two and three days a week and the other couple of days at home. That, I think, suits lifestyle a lot, particularly if you don't have to travel up and, you know, up and down the ring road or you don't have to travel over the bridge in the morning. Um, and it really does fitting with lifestyle but it does have some disadvantages as well um, and the these are the things that we've been talking about because we've noticed in some cases where people work from home especially if they live on their own they get very isolated very quickly and so we ourselves um, have been consulted a number of times now about instance where mental health is becoming an issue and it is and it's the the duty of care that the business and the managers have you know cannot be underestimated here so it's very very difficult if somebody doesn't tell you that they're struggling a bit how do you spot it how you know how do you see it before it gets too bad so there's some of the the challenges that we've got at the moment we think that by the blended type of working sometime in the office around colleagues around other people actually will keep the team the, the, the sort of focus on team the focus on belonging to something 
one of the things we've seen is that the working from home has been great. I mean, actually, the people working from home with children, I've just felt sorry for them, quite honestly, because how they've done that homeschooling and worked as well, goodness knows, and it's an absolute feat. Um, so going forward, I think we'll see a calmer situation from working from home. There's not the pressure, I think, there of having to look after children and, and you know, uh, maybe dependents as well. But how we manage that process, you know, or as we're advising, as we manage that process as managers, I think it's really got to change quite a bit because uh, you don't have people in front of you. So you can't, you know, you can't sit next to somebody and expect them to do 20 tasks a day. I think you've got to take a broader approach about how people deliver their work and when they deliver it. When they're working from home, does it matter if actually, you know, if they prefer to work at 10 and 11 o'clock at night, you know, in reality, as long as they're delivering what they're supposed to. Um, so the key things I think for us in the last few weeks have been mental health, making sure that people feel supported. And we've come up with some suggestions from that, making sure people don't feel isolated. So it's quite complex. There's many, many factors to this. Going forward, actually, I think it'll be great because I think everybody will feel that they've got options. It's great if you feel you've got options in life. And so an option that I don't have to be in the office five days a week, um, you know, and actually I can work these two days from home. I think I think will really help people feel more comfortable in the workplace and will help retention levels. So there probably won't be as much moving, moving around and job hopping. Yes, that, that's actually something I suppose I hadn't really thought of. You know, if you're able to give people flexibility, then they're, they're going to feel happier in their jobs, more likely than not. And so therefore, we'll, we'll stay um, for, for a longer period of time. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I guess the return to work is also important for people who are perhaps younger and very much still learning and they need to be with colleagues in order to learn and develop uh, or perhaps people who are quite new in a job. You know, you working in isolation all of the time is difficult because you need to interact with colleagues in order to, to sort of grow uh, within that job. So I guess that's important for people as well. It's one of the things we very first noticed um, when lockdown happened only a month or so into it. And we realised that... Um, actually the informal exchange of knowledge that happens over a cup of coffee or a chat or when you're walking into an office with somebody is invaluable because we found that um, we were getting calls about you know a, a, let's say a staff member that should be at this point in their learning and they hadn't achieved it yet or they should have done this and they hadn't done it and it, it didn't take much thinking about to realize actually that a lot of the information we get we learn from each other you know who to go to when we've got a problem you know where some where the stationery is where you get this from what do you do with it problems um and of course that wasn't happening so people were given very you know bland read these procedures and read this book and we'll give you a bit of coaching and you should know how to do it so the whole personal bit had disappeared um so as i said i think the way that people um, and, and I suppose for businesses generally more strategically need to look carefully how they induct people into a business now and actually make sure they've got all sorts of learning available so you could uh, give them a buddy you know a lot of businesses give somebody a buddy to work with or with new people it's make sure that they uh, they join up with somebody else and the task is given to two of them 
um, and they have to work together to complete it because you really don't learn far more talking to other people than you do anything else and also if you're working if there will be people that will continue working from home but after a short time they will interact with their, their own little team, let's say, because mostly in most businesses, there are teams or groups of people that work together. Um, they'll work with their own group or team. But after a time, they'll stop needing, feeling the need, or there may be no requirement to deal with other people in the business. Um, so all of a sudden, they're not part of the whole they become part of a sort of subset. And it's very important for efficiency and just, I think, a general sense of well-being that people know where they sit, they know where they belong, and most of all, that they're valued, not just by their immediate manager, but by other people that they impact on. So, yeah, quite a, quite a complex, fascinating, fascinating time, though, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. And I think I, I agree with you completely when you say that actually the future is... A positive one for those people who are able to have that flexibility and as you say be given a choice you know nobody likes to be dictated to so having a choice is is crucial and that's really positive but I suppose you've also been dealing with a bit of negative stuff at the moment which is fairly inevitable you're probably now looking in certain cases at redundancies and things like that. So obviously, you're, I know you're never going to betray any confidences, but you know what kind of issues have you been dealing with in with redundancies and what challenges have you faced with dealing with some of them? You know, redundancies, oh, they are, they're really difficult, very difficult situations. I mean, yes, at the moment, sadly, Anna, and for the last three weeks, we've been doing with a raft of redundancies uh we've had two large large lots of redundancies to do and then just individual ones and i think the thing with redundancy is that the job is redundant the job goes the post goes there's no need for that post for whatever reason it may be um but you say that to people but really to them it's them you people think i'm not wanted um and it isn't about that so I think you've got to be very sensitive. I think you've got to be as honest and as honest as you can be, um, very sensitive about it. And when I say as honest as you can be, you might not be able to disclose all the finances of a business, for instance. You know, you might not be able to disclose some of the strategic decisions. Um, I I think we always feel that you deal with people in such a way that they retain their confidence and you deal with them with integrity. It's so important. Um, one of the most difficult factors we're facing at the moment, though, is um, there are not many jobs out there. There are lots of people being made redundant and there are not many jobs out there. And I, I really would suggest that businesses consider getting um, employees support after redundancy because what happens is somebody can be made redundant they finish working and then they sit at home and think what do I do now I don't even know where to start many people are not used to putting their CV together they don't know where to go to get a job and businesses could do so much more to help if they just paid you know for it's called outplacement services and a dreadful American word but anyway <laughs> it's basically helping people through the transition of moving from one job to another and I've seen it in a few cases where it's been offered but in the main I don't think maybe business no businesses know about it 
But that just paying, you know, something, I don't know, the, the cost of these things are anything from £100 to 1000 But even if you said, even if you paid £300 um, to help somebody transition from the role they had in your business to a new role that helps them sort themselves out. It's a bit cathartic, helps them do their CV, tells them where to go, gives them all sorts of options and ideas. I think it's invaluable. And what will happen is they'll look back, the people that were made redundant will look back and think, wasn't that great that I got that? As opposed to feeling quite sort of negative and bitter about it. Because we're seeing a slight upturn in the recruitment market, I have to say, but it's, you know, it's it's all relative. <laughs> it is slight. Um, and I don't think things will really pick up till next year. No, I, I think that, that that's kind of really got me thinking what you said, actually. You know, the, the agri-food sector in Scotland, which, you know, we're primarily involved in, you and I, is a small place. And so as an employer... If you're making somebody redundant, I think it's absolutely essential for goodwill and for your own reputation to to treat those employees who are you're forced to make redundant as well as you possibly can under the circumstances, because otherwise you're not really setting yourself into a very solid future in terms of, of your own business reputation. So that I think that's absolutely spot on, Gail, as far as I can see. And I hope I hope that anybody doing that is listens to your advice. In terms of advice, what what would you what advice would you give to somebody if somebody listening has been made redundant or a family member has member of theirs has been made redundant? What advice could you give to them on their their job hunt now? I think I would say to anybody that is being made redundant, go back to your employer and say, "Are you able to offer me any assistance?" Don't be too proud. Don't be too proud to ask. Because actually, it's career support and it's career support that will really help you. It's only a short term intervention, but it will really help you move forward and move forward in a really positive way. Um, So uh, it's one of those things. If you don't ask, you don't get some organisations might say, no, sorry, you know, we're making all these posts redundant because we don't have any extra money, which is fair enough. And then I think the best thing to do is um, on our website, I, um, we've got some books that you can read um, where or we're recommending books that you could buy to read um, about three books about career transition. Um, and so I'm sure you'll be able to pick up our website from the details on the podcast. Uh, but have a look at those. What I would say is, do you know, I mean, it really is. Every cloud has a silver lining. It really is. You've got to try, stay positive and finding another job is a job itself. So you can't play at it. You've actually got to really buckle down, get on with the work and use your networks. Most jobs can't come from people who know of a job, uh, heard of it. So go to your network, everybody you know, and let them know what you're looking for. And you'll be surprised how often... Two or three weeks will go by, you'll hear nothing and be thinking, oh, God, this is awful. And then somebody will phone you and say, I've heard of a job here. So that's the immediate thing that you can control. So it is all about figuring out what you can do and what you can control. Definitely. But yeah. Uh, and, and actually, I mean, I'm not qualified to give advice, but but an observation that I've noticed, actually, because, you know, I, I run my own business and I speak with a lot of other people who do the same. Um, and I've noticed, like, you know, I could probably think of two or three people who set up their own business and found their kind of entrepreneurial spark as a result of being forced out or made redundant for, from another job. So sometimes 
redundancy, I know it probably doesn't seem like it, but sometimes redundancy can be an opportunity to do that thing that you've always wanted to do and you've never just quite been able to take that step. So if you've got an entrepreneurial idea, maybe now is the time to to, to make that fly. Oh, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So many people that are made redundant suddenly decide they're sick of working for other people, quite frankly, <laughs> and, and they're going to try something out. And if you think I'm pretty sure, I don't have the stats to hand, but I'm pretty sure that within Scotland, there are more entrepreneurial businesses, small businesses than anywhere else in the UK. Um, and I think there's a real spirit of that here. And there are so many communities you can join, help that you can get. And I think it's a question of don't be afraid. Try it. Try it. And you'll very, very find, very quickly find people to help and support. I mean, we do that. We do that. You know, we just we join, we belong to a couple of groups where we get advice from people. They give advice to us. We share advice. And I think it's about working collaborative with people you don't always have to pay you know you, I think a lot of people when they start a new business think oh I'm going to have to pay for advice for this and advice for that and I don't know where to go to there are people out there that are willing to help and I think that's the way we all need to be we all need to sort of support each other a bit more um, and share advice and share knowledge um, because it helps the whole at the end of the day and I think it's a, a, what's come out of this is actually working together. We're all much stronger. Yes, a- absolutely. And, and I know you you have worked in the past with RSAVI. And, you know, one thing that, that they always say is that you never know what's around the corner. That kind of emphasises to me the need to support each other and congratulate other people's success. You know, if somebody gets a new job but you haven't found one yet, you know, congratulate them pass on that success and you know they're then more likely to to help you out in return so I think we do we all need to buoy each other up particularly in these times I think without doubt yeah yeah I think I think and I think it is and I'm seeing a lot of that to be honest we're seeing a lot of that it's always been our philosophy but we we see it with other people as well in the same way I think I think you know something it's one of the things if you approach somebody with a smile you'll get a smile back if you approach somebody with a kind word you'll get a kind word back and it as it's it's um, treating other people the way you want to be treated yourself. And I think our whole business has always got this dreadful thing of HR over it. But really, we're all about people. We're all about, and that's, you know, we work in, in the fields of psychology and employment law, but it's all about people. And every business that is successful has people that feel valued and motivated and want to go into work every day, whether that works an office, uh, you know, a farmer's field somewhere, you know, a dairy parlour, wherever it is. And I think that's something that as employers, we've got to always remember and we'll get the best out of people without a doubt. Yes, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Gail. Um, Do you think there's anything else, any other issues that you've encountered lately or anything else that you think people listening might find helpful? Um, I can't think of anything particularly. I mean, at the moment, the situation's evolving. We're ourselves learning different things every day. I mean, an interesting one that we've picked up recently and it's all come from social media was uh, the people working from home love it. But one of the things that has come up uh, a little interesting, a big, well, little discussion, a big discussion is a lot of people are missing the travelling time. So the travelling time between home and work, but more importantly, from work to home. 
And what it does is it enables you to change mode. So when you, you know, you're driving or you get on the train or whatever, going to work, you're thinking about work and what you've got to do. So by the time you get there, you're sort of ready to go. On the other side of it, leaving work at the end of the evening, leaving your office, you know, wherever you may be, leaving a factory, by the time you've got home, you're actually in home mode, work's finished. And so we're finding now that people are really struggling with in a house or a flat, actually they're moving from one room across the hall to another room, normally via the kitchen. <laughs> and so they're finding that diff- that really difficult. And we've had many, many discussions now from employers and employees are saying, I can't stop working. I don't have the boundaries. Where does work stop and start? You know, I go and sit in my little office and I go back into the kitchen to get some coffee and I put the washing machine on. And so I think as employers, what we've got to do is not be a nanny state and tell people what to do, but is give suggestions and ideas forward. And one of my colleagues, she's got a dog. And what she does is before she starts work each morning, she just walks the dog. And when she comes back, she goes straight to work. At the end of her day, however long that is, she walks the dog again. I've got another colleague who always, every single morning, goes and buys himself a cup of coffee and comes back, brings his coffee back into his own house and sits and drinks. And I said, well, why do you do that? You could just make a cup of coffee in the kitchen. No, no, it's the actual act of doing it. So it's it's an interesting thing. Um, But if we've seen a couple of um, people that have become burnt out, just exhausted, um, you know, obviously employees of our clients. And what it is, is uh, they've actually been living on their own, but they've just been working, 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 working all the time and suddenly just been burnt out. So it's worth thinking about if you are going to work from home, set yourself some disciplines, set yourself some boundaries because you've got to keep yourself healthy as well. Yeah, we, we know that many people would listen to the On Farm podcast on their journey to and from work. Um, And people are listening in a different way in different places now. But, you know, when you go out for your dog walk or if you don't have a dog, just go out for a walk, plug your earphones in, listen to our podcast. I would say that, wouldn't I? Then you're creating that division, I think, between between home and work. And I think that's healthy for all of us. Yeah, it is. Well, you'll laugh, but that's I listen to your podcast when I'm driving. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Gail. Thank you. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. So perhaps before we go, just to save anybody scrabbling around for it, do you mind just giving us your website address so that people can go on and find those book recommendations or find your contact details if they need them? Yeah, absolutely. So our website address is www.greenburn, green, B-U-R-N on the end, .co.uk. And please feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or you want to debate anything I've said. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you very much, Gail. Really appreciate your time. And uh, you have been a busy, busy lady, uh, probably busier than anybody I know, actually, through this period. So I hope at some point you get to, to take a break. But everybody who you've worked with will be extremely appreciative of your advice, I'm sure. So thank you again. Yeah. Thanks very much, Anna. Thank you.